0: Today is Friday, August 11th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. President Biden's $6 billion deal with Iran to free U.S. prisoners. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and all that good stuff you can do. Email us, QuickStartPodcast at cbn.org. Joining me now on this Friday, we've made it. Billy Hallowell. Trey Phillips. What's up, gentlemen? How's it going? I'm doing well.
1: Coffee number three.
0: Great Let's for me. Let's go. There we come go. coming for
1: the good poetry and leave for the bad poetry. <laughs> All
0: right. What do we have coming up on the Focus Story, guys? We got a lot to get
2: to. Let's get right to it. We're going to be talking about biblical illiteracy among young people and a window of opportunity that might still be there to reach them.
0: Yeah, it's real. The numbers are shockingly, shockingly low. Also on the main thing, we're going to catch up with Brody Carter, who went to California to do a report on how bad things have gotten there, and then he got jumped in the process. We'll have that top story and more. That'll be the main thing. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. President Biden has made a $6 billion deal with Iran to free Americans in exchange for jailed Iranians. According to the New York Times, who broke the story, once the five Americans in prison in Iran are allowed to return to the United States, the Biden administration will release a handful of Iranian nationals serving prison sentences for violating sanctions on Iran. The U.S. also is said to be unfreezing nearly six billion of Iran's assets in South Korea, and they'll transfer the funds into an account in the Central Bank of Qatar. And the percentage of Americans who say they've read or heard a great deal about Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech has plummeted, especially among younger people. It's the 60th anniversary of the 1963 March on Washington this month. Adults 65 and older are the most likely to say they've heard of it or read it. Where 68% say so, but that percentage drops with every age group going all the way down to 53% of those 18 to 29 say they've heard or read a great deal about the speech. And Life Church reports a revival happening as 2,000 people recently got baptized. You can read that full story and moreover at CBNNews.com. Guys, I'm intrigued by this survey here from Pew Research Center about Martin Luther King's speech here on the 60th anniversary of this month. I guess unsurprising because of the time and distance create kind of that forgetfulness of important things. The media in this was talking about this stat comes amid Republicans trying to limit the amount of talk about race there is in schools, which I find fascinating because there's another way you could frame that. You could frame it as saying this comes amid people completely forgetting that Martin Luther King wanted to judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. So surprising numbers but maybe not so surprising at the same time
2: you know it's it's interesting it makes me think about information and how information is spread because we have more access to information today than we ever have in the history of the world right and you have martin luther king's speech which is something that should be taught it's not that people don't want to discuss race at all or the past it's that they don't want to discuss it through a lens that is unfair um, that doesn't take into account what the past was and the progress that we've had. Um, Not that things are perfect. I think there's a real context there that's missing from what you just read. Um, But, you know, I don't know. I just I go back to that information because that overload of information, I think, has taken away shared experience. Right. Martin Luther King's speech is a shared experience. It's a piece of information with a historical benefit to all of us. And so it makes you wonder what else we're missing in this influx of information that we're taking in.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think also with the Martin Luther King Story in particular, I think it really just shows where we are as a culture and what our propensity is as a society. You know, during that when during the civil rights movement, there was Martin Luther King, which all a lot of what he said was so rooted in scripture and rooted in biblical truth. And then there was a, an angrier side of that civil rights movement too. And it seems like we've gone that direction. Like we would rather give into the divisiveness, we would rather give into uh, the anger and sowing that discontent among people. And I think we could apply that to really any issue at all. Uh, And I think with, like you were mentioning, Billy, we have access to more information than we ever have before. But I think also our attention spans are much shorter than they've ever been before. And I think the stuff that's divisive and can well up resentment and drive anger and get us all emotionally worked up, that's the stuff that's attractive. So we just go with that and we miss out on so much other shared experiences that we have and so much such rich content that we we lose because of uh, our own, I think, propensity to sin. And that's all of us. It's not like Christians or non-Christians. All of us are just as susceptible to it.
0: Yeah. It's indicative of the times here. Like you said, Billy, there's so much access to that information. But at the same time, there are so many more voices pushing narratives And it seems like we're getting shoved into our various teams. So it's difficult to even objectively look at a speech like Martin Luther King Jr.'s, I have a dream speech with everyone just resonated with for the longest time saying, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, let's judge people by the content of their character. Forget what they look like. And then now we're hearing a different message which is one very much centered around our race and putting our race at the middle of everything. And it's not that you would ignore it. You know, it's not that you want to ignore these issues that have happened based on race, but the goal is to be not treating each other based on how we look. But it it seems like there are a lot of people right now pushing the exact
2: opposite. Well, there's a gracelessness, right? Yeah. That we don't, there's no grace, there's no forgiveness. There's no, and this started with cancel culture. It's been going on for a long time, but I think it's infusing everything now because. We don't want to forgive the past. It's not a matter of forgetting the past. We shouldn't forget the past. We should remember it to not repeat it. But we don't want to forgive anybody for it. And not only that, we want to hold people accountable now. And I think that's one of the challenges with all of this, that if you don't take the right approach to it, it breeds more anger, more frustration, more yeah. disconnectedness. And that's that's what we've been watching. And it's clearly not the path forward.
0: Bitterness is clearly a sin in Scripture. And it's something... That we're urged to let go of and it like you said it seems like that's what is being pushed right now and they're very anti-biblical ideas gracelessness um, being angry being bitter vengeance all of those things are not biblical and are not justice despite what um many people la- label it as so all right we're going to move over now to the focus story and the newly released fifth chapter of the State of the Bible 2023 report reveals a steady decline among young people engaging with scripture. But there may be a sliver of hope in the story. What's the uh, what is the story here?
2: Yeah, well let's let's start with the negative. And the negative is that there is a decline as you said in engagement. You had, you know, 14% of Gen Z in 2021 saying that they were Bible engaged, scripture engaged that went down to 12% in 2022 and then 10% in 2023. So again, this overlaps with a lot of the COVID declines we saw with spirituality. So that's the negative, but the positive and this is interesting. There's one statistic here that I think we have to note, 44% of Gen Z adults, and these are people between the ages of 18 and 26, they are either very or extremely curious about Jesus and or the Bible. So there's a curiosity there. And even with that going down, right, that is still four in 10 of these young people, they're interested, they want to know more, they're open to hearing more. And that's a really important statistic in an era- mm-hmm where things are really crumbling and falling apart in many ways, there's still a thirst there.
0: Yeah. And I'm always careful whenever we see these numbers, they should serve as sort of inspiration for us to make sure that we're not falling into those numbers, like not being scripturally engaged and things of that nature. But we should always assume that God is doing something in the midst of that and not just lose all hope and be despair. Ah, the world's going to hell in a handbasket and that's it. No, God's always doing something. We can find that. It sounds like, you know, that's evident on both sides of that on, on this particular story. And it seems like maybe, Billy, there's a window of opportunity here.
2: Yes. Well, the window of opportunity here would be that you have those people who are ready and willing. And the, the dangerous thing here is that there's a decline of these people, right? Of these people saying, okay, we believe we're engaged, but because you have four and 10, now is the moment to seize on that and speak to them. And so the American Bible Society who conducted this research, they're saying, we need to get out there now. We need to evangelize now because we don't know what these numbers are going to look like in a year or two years.
0: It's an interesting survey for sure. And what is the most kind of interesting thing about non-practicing Christians and non-Christian Gen Zers?
2: Yeah, those numbers were really interesting. A substantial number of those people, these are young people who are not practicing, young people who are not, you know, who would actually call themselves non-Christians, right? The nominals and the non-Christians, they're also really interested in hearing more about Jesus and the Bible. They're also open, open to it. So it's not just people who have, you know, some sort of connection to the church even if it's nominal, it's even those who would have no interest they're open to hearing about Jesus through movies or other means and so there's a lot to unpack there and and I would also mention and this this stuck out to me when you break Gen Z apart there were two stats 56% of younger Gen Z adults these are 18 to 21 year olds they were they were very curious right 56% over half it was the older gen z the 22 to 26 year olds only 34% of them the fact that the younger ones had a deeper interest in jesus and the bible that really intrigued me and it made me wonder what's going to come next will those numbers even go up are are people because of the hopelessness looking for hope now and more open. So lots to unpack there, but I do think there is a window of opportunity for yeah. sure.
0: No, it's certainly interesting. And I gotta say, this is just gut reaction here to the numbers and things that you're you're pointing to about people having interest. Look at what's going on in culture today. You've got absolute denial of basic reality on many fronts. Things that are patently untrue and it's speaking to a mental side of things and not the physical side of things. And so you're maybe more people are just Realizing and seeing the ridiculousness of culture and saying there's got to be something true out there that speaks to things in a way that actually reflects what I'm seeing with my own eyes here. So that's just a gut reaction, but I wonder if that's got something to do with it.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that that factors in. If you look at, I can't remember, there was a recent study, maybe a couple of years ago, it might have been Barna Research, I'm not 100% certain I'd have to look at it, but there have been several over the years that have shown this. The churches that are teaching scripture, that are rooted just in biblical Uh, foundations and are not seeker friendly, aren't trying to look like the culture, aren't trying to look like the world where you feel like you walk in and you're at a concert. And then it's a very light message a feel good kind of message. Those are the churches that aren't doing well. The churches that are really rooted in scripture are the ones that the younger generations are flocking to. Those are the ones that are thriving and growing. I think it just proves what scripture says, right? Which is that the word of the Lord doesn't return void. And I think to your point, Dan, our culture is desperate for that because we're so unmoored as a society. So any truth, even if it's truth that's difficult to swallow, I think the consistency of that truth is appealing to people.
0: Indeed. All right. Well, Billy, appreciate you bringing that to our attention. It's it's certainly a uh, key information that we need to be keeping an eye on. So appreciate that. All right. We are going to head over to the main thing now. And CBN's own Brody Carter recently went to California to investigate a number of issues that are happening there, including homelessness, rampant crime, drug use on the rise. It is absolute chaos in California. Where are they going wrong? What can they do to fix it? How are ministries getting involved? All that was covered on my conversation with Brody Carter for today's main thing. All right, Brody, so you recently went to California and produced a fantastic report there, shedding light on the situation and what's going on there. Uh, we have the link to that full video in the description for this podcast here. But Brody, I just wanted to talk about your general impressions. We saw the report and it's, it's eye-opening. I mean, we've seen kind of the rumblings of what's happening there. You went and saw it firsthand. What did you see?
3: There's a statistic that recently came out accounting for California's homeless population compared to the entire United States. And California accounts for one third of all homeless people in the United States, which is breathtaking. And you can Mm. certainly feel it. It's palpable. Uh, Coming into Fresno, uh, it it was just widespread. So it wasn't just San Francisco, which has this basket of problems. Uh, You would see people camped out in front of the Welcome to Sacramento signs. There was... People in alleyways in San Francisco, just right outside of public dwelling spaces, and on the sidewalks, it was just a really sad uh, situation in reality for the people of California.
0: And you start to wonder because there—it's not for a lack of trying—that this problem hasn't gone away, right? There's there's tons of nonprofits there, and your report has even mentioned that maybe there's too many. Um, and that I think the one person you interviewed said that she'll go so far as to say that some of the nonprofits don't even seem like they want to fix the problem because it's a cottage industry for them to get funding to try to help it. So there's lots of efforts happening to stop this.
3: Oh, most definitely. And millions of dollars being thrown at the problem. And the issue is that money can't fix the problem. Hmm. And like you're saying, some of these nonprofits are really kind of taking advantage of the situation that individual I talked to is Angela Alioto. She's a former president of San Francisco's Board of Supervisors. She's ran for mayor a couple of times, worked side by side, now Mayor, uh, or, sorry, Governor Gavin Newsom, and created a bunch of policies to try and uh, fix the situation, whether it be homelessness or uh, drug issues with the needle exchange program. She was behind some really big legislation in the state, to hopefully help and thwart the issue, instead it's really taken off, and some of these policies are uh, being taken advantage of to bolster um, a situation that's just metaphorically on fire.
0: Yeah, and you know, one of the one of the gentlemen you interviewed, um, I think he was one of the people that work for City Team, this great nonprofit that you talked to, and they were individuals that had come out of homelessness and then now are helping. And trying to give back. They were in that situation. And you know, one of the things he said that really stuck out to me was that we have all the right things here. You just have to want to do it and go through the process.
3: Exactly. And you can't change somebody who doesn't want to change. This gentleman I talked to who's now clean and sober, thanks to the efforts of City Team, which is amazing. They are a nonprofit who gives these individuals opportunities who want to change their lives around for the better. It's a faith-based ministry who invests in the community in the right way. But like he says, and his example is that you can't change somebody who doesn't want to change. You have to want it. And he, after 20 years, finally woke up and thought, I want it. Something needs to change. But before that, he thought he was living the good life. He'd go to the park and he'd be barbecuing, watching people hustle and bustle around with their business attire on, three-piece suits, and be drinking a beer on a Tuesday at noon thinking, those people have to take off for vacation to do what I'm doing right now every single day. But it wasn't the good life. Obviously, he's sleeping in a van down by the river, metaphorically. I don't know what his, his specific situation was. But for 20 years, he did that, and he squandered his life away until he woke up and thought, I have nothing. I have. I am not a benefit to the society. I'm a burden on the system, if anything, taking advantage of it. And, and he wanted to change his life around And by the grace of God. And if you watch this story, you'll see it. It was by the grace of God that he mm. was able to change his life, and it was through the efforts of city teams. So they focus Um, in specific areas around the nation. But in California, it's in the Bay Area. They have two locations. One is in Oakland, the other in San Francisco. And surprisingly, that location in San Francisco is the one that's struggling to keep up with this surging demand of a homeless population that's overrun in a city that can't seem to get policies or throw enough money at the problem. And so they're they're really just, uh, it's all hands on deck. And surprisingly enough, it's the homeless population, those individuals who are turning their lives around to try and fight back because they've been there, they see what it is that's holding these people back and they're actually a part mm. of the solution.
0: Yeah, and you're right. I mean, throwing money at the problem. I mean, look, you that's there's multiple components to solving something like this. And the money and the funding and the nonprofits, those are all one part of it. Then, as you mentioned, you need that faith component in there. You need to show that God has a purpose for their life. Here's what God wants from your life, and He wants more than just sitting around, like you said, at a park and drinking beer on on a Tuesday afternoon and 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 essentially doing nothing. That's God has not wired us that way, and you're suppressing that when you're involved in that. So, I think you need it's a multi pronged approach there. But this problem is so widespread, as you could see from your report, Brody, it was really eye-opening. I thought when you talked to the gentleman that you came across as you were walking down the sidewalk and there was a a lot of homeless people there, a few tents and whatnot. And it was right by this guy's door to his apartment. And it was almost like you were pointing out something that he just had kind of turned blinders to. He's like, yeah, I guess now that you mention it, maybe I should say something to my landlord. It's like he couldn't even get into his house, you know, because these people are sleeping in front of his door. It's, Mm -hmm. It's amazing that that's the mindset at this point.
3: For sure, that they are forced to live with it and kind of grow with the problem. That was Joseph Lala, he's lived in San Francisco his entire life pretty much, California resident, living in San Francisco and having to physically step over homeless people who are either passed out drunk, not waking up and, and kind of disoriented because of drug use from the night before, and it's happening right outside of his front door. It was mm. insane. It was Absolutely insane. crazy, yeah. Well, Brody, what, what was
0: kind of like your main? T- we got we're getting short on time here, so I just want to get. I'd encourage everyone who hasn't seen it to go watch the full report. It's in the it's in the description of this podcast. But Brody, what was kind of like your main takeaway from your whole trip and your report out there?
3: I didn't feel safe, so we almost we almost ran into a situation ourselves. That's not in this story. Uh, my videographer and I uh, had a chance to go see. Uh, it was actually in Oakland. Uh, which gets a pretty bad rap just for the homeless population and the drug issues. But uh, there was almost a smash and grab situation that I was part of. A guy pulls up behind uh, the vehicle that we had rented out and parks behind us, throws a ski mask on and kind of gives me a look. Now I'm a big guy. This guy was probably half my size. um, And I think he drove off because I approached him and told him, you got to keep moving. We're leaving. Luckily. And I believe by the grace of God and just perfect timing, Um, God's timing, to get us out of there safely, that man rolled off a pedestrian, looked my way and said, you saw that guy? I said, yeah, of course. I just told him to get going. He said, he's coming back. He's been on this block for weeks and smash and grab, smash and grab. This petty crime throughout the state of California uh, because of some of the propositions in place, making theft under $1,000, basically a slap on the wrist. Uh, It's just a safe haven for Throwing throwing your life away or, or, or making bad decisions that um, are really bad for the entire state of California.
0: Yeah, mentioned in there the the leniency on those is really creating a license to steal. Yeah. As uh, one of the guests said on on your uh, fantastic interview. Wow, and I'm, I I hadn't known yeah. about that situation. I'm really glad you came out of that because those you don't know what somebody's armed no. with. You well, don't know course. what their intentions are. It's very very dangerous.
3: For sure. And don't get me wrong, The city from a macro lens was beautiful. But you go yeah. down some main arteries and some hidden alleyways and you see some desperate situations.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Brody Carter, CBN News. Thanks so much for sharing a little bit behind the scenes and uh, of your report here. Appreciate it.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: All right. You can check out as I said, Brody's full report in the description of this podcast there. it's it's incredible stuff, and it's just it's shocking and sad to see, and we need to be praying that um, hearts are changed there as it's clearly been proven that throwing money at the situation is just not gonna work. All right, that's going to leave us with time for one last thing on the podcast today.
1: Yeah, so on the heels of that, I was thinking, you know, we all go through so many different trials in this life. There's a lot of great stuff, but there's also a lot of really tough things that we often navigate. And it made me think of Psalm 35 that says, weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning.
0: Like his mercies are new every morning. Same thing. It's we can rise anew and tackle the day with a fresh perspective. Love that. Good place to end it for the week. On this Friday, we've made it, ladies and gentlemen. We've made it. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your Friday and weekend. And Lord willing, and that creek don't rise, we shall return on Monday. Get yourself on over to CBNNews.com and FaithWire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. We're glad you're here. We'll see you next week. God bless.